Emily Johnson, House Theory Realty, all of your real estate needs. She is the best you can get. And she is a personal advocate for you. Different people operate in different ways. Hers is the personal attention, personal touch. Uh, you don't get handed off to assistants only to see Emily pop up at the important moments. She is there beginning to end and everything in between. So if you want that premier service, you want that premier attention, that devotion, then you want Emily Johnson, House Theory Realty for all of your home buying and home selling needs. Coming up uh, later in the program, around, well, after 7.30, we are going to speak with Secretary of State Ashcroft. Um, I've noticed there has been some chatter on social media because of a lawsuit by his office against Crystal Quaid. And this is surrounding that election in which um, she went to great lengths to have a black man thrown off the ballot. And uh, because this is something that has popped up on CaseNet, there is a lot of speculation as to exactly what this is about, what it means. And so he's going to join us just to, to explain that coming up here uh, just a little bit after 7.30 this morning. Um, I kind of want to bounce around here just a bit. Um, There was, some of you may recall, a State of the Union address in which President Obama claimed that Obamacare would never be used for illegals, people who had come into this country illegally. And when he declared that, there was a sitting member of Congress, a Republican, who yelled liar. And, of course, it was Republicans who tripped over themselves to denounce him. How dare you call the great Obama a liar in his declaration that Obamacare will never be used for such, for such uh, things. Well, Democrats, here's the headline, beg Biden to open taxpayer-subsidized Obamacare to DACA illegal aliens. So here we are. House and Senate Democrats are pleading with Biden to open American taxpayer-subsidized Obamacare rolls to hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens enrolled in the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program in a letter signed by 86 House and Senate Democrats which I imagine most of those same Democrats sat in there during that State of the Union address in which Obama and the Democrats collectively all swore we will never do that. No, no, no. Anyone who says otherwise is a liar. And I'm sure it was fact-checked by the usual suspects at the Associated Press, at NBC, at CNN, about how this was just, you know, some sort of uh, a racist fear-mongering used by Republicans to scare people into thinking that that program was going to be used as a tool to, to fund illegal immigration, to uh, encourage illegals to come here, because on top of everything else, hey, we'll take care of your health care as Americans. 
all dogging on that member of Congress. I think Jeffries was his last name. In the letter signed by the 86 House and Senate Democrats, they wrote, We strongly encourage HHS to honor our country's promise of full integration and support of DACA recipients, including access to affordable health care through Obamacare, by rescinding this regulation. So now, not only is it the lie that it was called out to be, but this is the virtuous position. This is American tradition. This is honoring our country's promise to all of those people who came here in a way that did not honor our laws. The letter goes on to declare it is crucial that the administration keep its commitment to expanding coverage for undocumented immigrants, including DACA recipients, and rescinding this harmful regulation will help deliver on that promise. As noted by the group of Democrats, Biden did promise to open taxpayer-subsidized health insurance benefits to illegals living in the United States while on the campaign trail in 2020. Specifically, in his so-called unity platform with Senator Bernie Sanders, Biden vowed to allow millions of illegal aliens eligible and enrolled in DACA to secure Obamacare plans. The platform also promising to allow all 11 million to 22 million illegal aliens living in the U.S. to purchase health care coverage in the federal marketplace and more quickly allow low-income legal immigrants to get on Medicaid. Because I don't know about you. But our current medical system in this country is thirsty for more patients. I I mean, it's not like we have these extended wait times in the emergency room. It's not like you pick up the phone to make an appointment with your doctor and it's four, five, six, seven months down the road. Or, God forbid, you need a new doctor and it's into the following year before they can even see you. Yes, let's add 11 to 22 million more people in the system. Let's just go ahead and see if we can completely break the back of our medical system. Jason Ryman with the latest news update. One person is in critical condition after a shooting early Sunday morning in downtown Springfield. Police say the assault happened near Walnut and Patton. No arrests have been made. A man from Buffalo is dead after a crash Saturday morning in Springfield. Police say 61-year-old Ronald McClellan was driving on Division Street east of Glenstone when his vehicle ran off the road and hit a utility pole. St. Louis police say a 3-year-old boy is in critical condition after shooting himself in the eye. Child abuse investigators are looking into that situation. A man from Tennessee is suing Kanaka Camps in Branson, claiming the organization and its leaders lied to him and his parents when they signed a settlement of sex abuse claims against the camp counselor. The family reached a confidential settlement, including a non-disclosure agreement in 2010 after Logan Yandel was abused by Peter Newman, who is now serving two life sentences for sexually abusing multiple children at that Christian summer camp. The lawsuit says Kanakuk officials told victims' families they didn't know about Newman's sexual activities before his arrest and encouraged them to sign settlements with non-disclosure agreements. And a judge in Virginia has refused to quash a subpoena issued to former White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki that seeks her deposition 
in a lawsuit filed by Missouri and Louisiana. The states say that the Biden administration conspired to silence conservative voices on social media. I'm Jason Rima, Springfield's Talk. First alert forecast, sunny 55 for a high today, clear 30 tonight. Sunny 57 tomorrow, Wednesday, mostly sunny with a high of 58. Uh, this time of year, things get a little bit busy. We have a number of events that are going on that are uh, going to overlap one another. This isn't uncommon for this time of the year, usually right around Thanksgiving. One of the uh, events, of course, that we have done year after year after year uh, before I even had the show here so i mean we're talking over 12 years ago uh santa's angels and we are going to have those trees um up and ready all of them uh we should have them up today is that right we're going to have all those up. i currently have two up right now but i have the uh the remaining two to put up right after the show and so a one Mm-hmm. Yep, um, off of Sunset. And then we have Crown Power and Equipment. That is close to Glenstone and Chestnut. You can't miss it because mm-hmm. there's all of those Kubotas right. setting right outside of it. Uh, so we've got Crown Power, A1. Then we have Green County Freight and Food Sales. That is off of Kearney. Uh, and it's kind of close to West Bypass. Mm-hmm. And then our final location is Anchor Tactical Supply. Yeah, and that's on Campbell. Uh, it's a location we've utilized before, and so the 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 two are up as we speak. The other two should be up by the end of the day, and this is an effort we get together with Great Circle and and these we're talking foster kids, kids that uh, oftentimes are in just the sort of heartbreaking situation that that. Um, Oftentimes, kids are, you know, in and Christmas time. You know, a lot of these kids go to school and and you know they hear other kids talk about Christmas vacation and they come back and and they're showing, talking about whatever gifts they got for Christmas and oftentimes these kids don't have anything because there is no one there and so Great Circle uh, gets wish lists from these kids and and each one is specific to a kid. This isn't um, uh, random. Uh, a lot of fundraising is is done that way, and that serves a purpose where you just drop stuff off and it gets distributed. But this is the the way we do it is so that these kids will know what it's like to have somebody specifically pick them, go shopping specifically for them, which for so many of these kids has never happened in their entire life, and and you know some of them are are teenagers even, and to have never had that. Uh, so that's why we go about it the way we do it. It's more effort specifically for Sarah as she <laughs> writes all of these lists out. Um, of course, Great Circle gets the information together. And so we ask that you do, uh, you know, adopt a kid or more if you'd like. And I think it's a great thing to do if you have children or grandchildren of your own to have them participate in it also. Um, and it's a meaningful thing that can be done this time of year to help someone that you don't even know uh, have a component to Christmas that all of us, or I shouldn't say all of us, that so many of us take for granted and and, uh, make a real meaningful difference. Uh, I happen to know that uh, one of the recipients of... um, of your generosity with Santa's Angels uh, does this as an adult every year himself because it was so meaningful to him and he recognizes 
just what what a what a positive thing that it can be for a young person that may not have much else going on in their lives and uh, I think that just says a lot about um, how meaningful it is. So we've got the information up at ksgf.com and again the A1 Custom Car Care Sunset location and Crown Power and Equipment those are up and then the other two Anchor Tactical Supply and Green County Freight will be up uh, sometime today. May I interject yes, please. if I can? Mm-hmm. So this year we have a lot of teenagers. Mm-hmm. So if that is the the type of kiddo that you are looking for, highly recommend that you check out our Santa's Angel program. And a lot of the things that they request um a lot of them are just really simple things. We've had a lot of MP3 players and Bluetooth headphones. Those are the big name gifts this year for our Santa's Angels children. But there is a couple of really unique ones as well. I have one kid with me right now. Actually, his name is Nathan, and he's going out to Anchor Tactical. He wants an English to German dictionary because he mm. wants to learn how to speak German, which I think that's very cool. And then there is Shaw. He is age 12, and he wants a book on astronomy and stars for the ceiling. So that is just kind of an example of some of the things that these kids ask for. And whenever you see these wish lists, if you get intimidated by some of the things that are on there, thinking, oh, I don't think I can buy all of these things, or I'm not exactly exactly sure where to find these things you don't have to purchase everything on the wish list if you can just get one or two items this is going to make a tremendous difference for these kids this holiday season yeah and i mentioned that we have those locations up at ksgf.com it's not up yet i noticed i was just checking yes i have it set to publish at 9 a.m and immediately after the show i will be going out to anchor tactical and green county freight so if you are wanting to adopt a kid uh, just know that those two locations, they will not be out until about probably 9.30 to 10.30 today. So it might be something that you have to wait to grab on your way home from work today. Right. And again, 9 a.m. that will uh, post up at ksgf.com. So if you forget any of the locations or need any more details, we just so you also know what we have you do, for those who have not done it before, is the gifts, what bring them here to the station along with the tag of the child. That's how we are able to um, keep this as straight as possible. And I think that is also posted on the little ornaments that go on the trees in which the description of the child and their wish list, it also has that information, correct? Yes. I know it usually does. Mm-hmm. Right. Springfield's Talk 1041. i I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. American Transmissions talk at text line 447-KSGF. House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy warning three prominent Democrats that their jobs are on the line should he become Speaker of the House, saying that his speakership will become politically volatile. McCarthy is going to Representative Ilan Omar, Democrat Minnesota, Representative Adam Schiff, Democrat California, and Representative Eric Swalwell, Democrat California, off of their congressional committees once Republicans take back the House. In January, McCarthy vowed to remove Swalwell and Schiff from the House Intelligence Committee and Omar from the House Foreign Affairs Committee. And he's poised to keep his promise. McCarthy said that Schiff's promotion of the Steele dossier and Omar's anti-Semitic comments have put them on the chopping block. McCarthy said, you have Adam Schiff, who lied to the American public time and again, and will not allow him to be on the Intel Committee either. Look at Congressman Omar, 
Her anti-Semitic comments that have gone forward were not going to allow her to be on foreign affairs. And for Swalwell, the Republican said that his association with a Chinese spy is what dealt him a blow. Quote, one thing I said from the very beginning, Eric Swalwell cannot get a security clearance in the public sector. Why would we ever give him a security clearance and the secrets to America so I will not allow him to be on intel? Now, this is going to be an interesting battle to watch play out because on one hand, You can imagine that Democrats are going to cry foul. They're going to claim that this is political payback, that this is divisive, and this is the sort of thing that we don't need in America. But on the other hand, do Democrats really want to defend those positions? I mean, if I'm on the Republican side of the aisle here, I would welcome them to pitch a fit over this. I would welcome them to try and dismiss and apologize for Omar's anti-Semitic remarks. Her bashing of the Israelis. Have that debate. Have Democrats explain why somebody who is outwardly and unapologetically anti-Semitic not only allowed to continue support amongst Democrat colleagues, but put in these positions in which she has influence. I'd welcome Democrats trying to defend Swalwell with getting duped by a Chinese spy whom he was having a sexual relationship with over a significant period of time, and then she just ups and disappears once it's revealed. Is that really what Democrats want to do? They really want to go to the mat for somebody that was sleeping with a Chinese spy? Adam Schiff. Republicans should welcome these debates. They should welcome pushback by Democrats in the media because the, th- the thing of it is, most Americans don't realize these things have happened. Most Americans don't know of the anti-Semitic positions and remarks that Ilhan Omar has made. Most Americans don't realize that you have the Chinese spy situation with Swalwell. Most Americans don't know that Adam Schiff was point-blank lying about information that he claimed were smoking guns that the committee had only to, upon revelation that none of those smoking guns existed, just shrug his shoulders as, oh well. Not to mention the releasing of edited information to falsely frame Republicans, be they citizens or be they lawmakers, for conspiring to try and take down our government. Most Americans don't realize the level of dishonesty, the level of manipulation. And I think kicking these people off the committees and then watching them try to defend themselves could be very beneficial to the public. Very educational. 
While McCarthy is likely to become House Speaker next year, some Republicans have opposed the idea. Representative Andy Biggs, Matt Gates argued that McCarthy should not win a majority of the vote for Speaker, saying that he could end up as a Democrat political hostage, but odds are he will get that position. Meanwhile, Hakeem Jeffries, one of the most consistent election deniers in the House, is slated to replace Nancy Pelosi as leader of the Democrats. Isn't that perfect? Pelosi said on the House floor, with great confidence in our caucus, I will not seek re-election to Democrat leadership in the next Congress. For me, the hour has come for a new generation to lead the Democrat caucus that I so deeply respect. Her remarks were quickly followed by a similar announcement from Democrat Majority Leader Steny Hoyer, who is also going to stay in Congress but step down from leadership. The pair of retirements give New York Democrat Representative Hakeem Jeffries, now the chair of the House Democrat Caucus, a clear path to cement control over the minority in the lower chamber. Jeffries, 52, has served in the House since his first congressional election in 2012. In 2017, Jeffries smeared Trump supporters as racists on the floor in the lower chamber. Jeffries saying, we do know that every racist in America voted for Donald Trump, so he also has a history of, you know, uniting Americans. Springfield's Talk 1041, I'm Nick Reed. Your voice is needed. The American people have to pull their heads out of their keisters. Now more than ever. And start thinking like responsible Americans. Springfield's Talk 1041. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. First alert forecast, sunny 55 for a high today. Clear 30, overnight low, sunny 57 tomorrow, mostly sunny with a high of 58 on Wednesday and still relatively warm for Thanksgiving, partly sunny, a high of 53. Uh, of course, some time ago, it was during the, the primary season, uh, we saw uh, Crystal Quaid, a Democrat running for re-election, go to great lengths to have um, an independent um, candidate thrown off the ballot. And uh, there was a lot, of, um, I, I, a lot of different working parts and different... Uh, angles involved and and that of course can lead to confusion and i noticed last week or the week before people were uh chattering about regarding a lawsuit from the secretary of state's office against crystal quaid and what i, I think probably was just a lot of speculation as to what that meant uh and so i thought let's go right to the source and i want to thank you for joining us uh mr ashcroft this morning and I- explain what this lawsuit is about and what implications there are with this lawsuit uh yeah thanks for having me on uh what happened was uh representative quaid uh had a potential challenger that was on the ballot through uh collecting signatures uh she there is a way under the law where you can challenge candidate qualifications and there's also a way under the law where you can challenge signatures and um she in in one essence challenged the signatures but she did it through the mechanism of challenging whether or not the candidate met the qualifications which meant that she could do that challenge not in Cole County as the law requires and she could do that 
without allowing the Secretary of State's office to stand up and say, these are why the signatures were correct, this is how we followed the correct process. Um, so she did that, she won the lawsuit, uh, which actually didn't throw her opponent off the ballot uh, because the judgment wasn't binding against this office since we weren't a named party, and in fact, the judge refused uh, to allow us to become a, a part of that lawsuit. Uh, the candidate, the potential candidate, was thrown off the ballot by the MEC for failing to file a personal financial disclosure. Uh, subsequently, we filed the lawsuit uh, to remove that prior lawsuit and really to get the courts to say, wait a minute, this isn't how that lawsuit should have progressed. If she wanted to challenge the signatures, she needed to sue the Secretary of State's office since uh, that's the right process. If she wanted to get an individual thrown off the ballot, she needed to sue the Secretary of State's office. We just wanted to make sure that in the future, courts wouldn't say, well, this is how it's done because it was done that last time, even though that was in contravention of the law. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to have you on. That was what I believed was going on, but you know how it can be oftentimes people. Yes. In, and I saw, the, you know, well, the, that election's not over yet. There's still hope. And, and I thought, I don't think that's what this is about. Uh, no. Yeah. So, so this essentially, it, and I, well, back up. I remember we had this conversation. It was interesting because the news was reporting uh, all around this period of time that the reason he was thrown off the ballot was because of the judge's ruling. And then we had you on, and you're like, no, that it was because of the Missouri Ethics Commission uh, or election, MEC, that uh, uh, said he did not uh, do the required paperwork or filings, and, and that was right. the reason. So he so he was thrown off the ballot, but the reason being reported wasn't the accurate reason. And so what it's my understanding, what's, how you describe it here, is that this is to set the record straight in terms of how it is that an individual who wants to do what she did must do it. Yeah, it's just to clean up the legal record and make sure in the future the correct process is followed. Uh, well, I, it's really all that I wanted to have you this morning, though I will ask if you had any thoughts. And I don't think we've spoken to you since the election, of course. <laughs> uh, you know, you've got Arizona, total embarrassing train wreck. Uh, a number of other states, these things, and it's, I, you just think, how does this stuff happen? Missouri uh, seemed to not have any real major issues that I was aware of. You know, um, there's there's a part of me that loves Arizona because it makes every state that does elections right look even better. Um, but actually, I hate it because it is wrong for the people of that state. It is wrong for the people of this country not to always know that they can trust the results of an election. And uh, when any state does an election badly, it causes people to question uh, how other states do their election. And I'm not going to say that Missouri's elections are perfect. There are things we're going to try to work to get done to make them better next year in the legislature. I believe we should always be trying to make sure we do a better job with accessibility, security, and credibility. Um, but, you know, what really happens and what we see time and time again is when you have a large amount of, like, absentee ballots that are getting mailed in at the last minute, that causes chaos in the process. The gold standard is to have people to go to the polling place on Election Day, 
prove who they are with a government-issued photo ID, and then run their ballot through the tabulator themselves. That way we know the results, we can trust the results, that's what we ought to do, and I thank the people of Missouri for doing such a good job of that. I've uh, long been opposed to anything other than voting on the day of unless you have legitimate absentee reasons. Uh, I, if I recall, you expressed that you're, you aren't a big fan of having early voting. It is something that no. we have for a couple weeks here. But what I'm noticing after this election is a number – I don't know if it's just an awakening, but there have been numerous editorials and, and uh, members of Congress who have said this early voting – Ballot harvesting stuff is killing us. Uh, and some are, you know, you've got one approach that is Republicans have to start taking this stuff to court, have to start getting this undone, while others are saying, hey, we just got to learn to play the game. Well, and, and, and part of the problem is you have Republican legislators that are increasing uh, the ability and the opportunity and the incentive for people not to show up in person and vote. Yeah. And that causes problems. Um, we we you know, we have two weeks of early voting in this state because of the legislature. They tried to make it six weeks the year before. Um, at least the in-person no excuse is uh, is for absentee is in person. That's what we need to do. We need to be pushing more people, even if they can do absentee ballots, to not mail them in, but to go in person. That way, they prove who they are. We know they're a real person. They don't have to worry about the mail. They know their vote will count. It's unfortunate, this the country and the way that we were founded and, and the amount of deliberation and thought that went into it. And we are shifting from uh, a government in which those who are either wanting to be in office or are in office sell their ideas to where it's just about collecting as many ballots as fast as possible. Uh, and it's just such an unfortunate shift in the way that our elections are, are headed. It is. It's if we don't get a handle on making sure that our elections are done well, we will not have this republic, and that is a problem. We need the people to be making these decisions. We need them to be self-educating and participating. We cannot leave it to the bureaucrats, the politicians, and the big money interests. Secretary of State Ashcroft, I appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for having me. Have a great day, and have a happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, you do the same, you and your family. Happy Thanksgiving. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Don Carricker, I want a great homeloan.com. All of those home loan needs, man, I recommend that you go back Friday if you are a veteran and you listen to the podcast where Don and Anthony Carricker were on talking about how, uh, in most circumstances, um, the, if you are a, a veteran and you have a VA loan, that that is transferable to other veterans. Now, they're going to explain it in much greater detail and give you an idea of how you can certainly benefit from it. Much of that is well beyond me. But like I've always said, I don't have to be an expert in area, in, in areas in which I have trusted friends who are, and nor do you. And so when it comes to home loans and, and knowing about all of these otherwise obscure little rules and and regulations in which you actually can benefit they know it they've got their finger on the pulse and i want a great home loan.com because you do speaking of voting and the reason that i wanted to have the secretary of state on is because i was seeing people on social media 
suggesting or questioning whether or not the lawsuit against Crystal Quaid by the Secretary of State's office uh, meant that maybe that election will be undone, maybe they'll have to do a redo, and that's not what that is about. It doesn't have any implications for that, uh, and it's it's just one of the reasons that uh, I wanted to have him on, because that can be very confusing. And so if you missed any of that, the podcast section, you can catch it here uh, around the time that the show's over and uh, get that explanation and exactly what it does mean. Speaking of elections, Arizona's Attorney General's Office ordered Maricopa County officials to submit a report on its botched handling of the November 8th election that led to Democrat gubernatorial candidate Katie Hobbs' apparent victory, though Carrie Lake is still saying she's in it to win it. Um, In a letter from the Election Integrity Unit of Attorney General Mark Bronovich, a uh, top official cited evidence of statutory violations in the contest in which Hobbs, who as Secretary of State overseen elections, overcame huge deficits in the polls. There were widespread malfunctions of voting machines in conservative areas of the state's most populous county, which became a national punchline as it took more than a week to tally votes. Assistant Attorney General Jennifer Wright, in a Saturday letter to the county's chief civil division attorney, Thomas Liddy, wrote, These complaints go beyond pure speculation, but include first-hand witness account that raise concerns regarding Maricopa's lawful compliance with Arizona election laws. Wright requested a full report on how tabulator and printer malfunctions at some 60 Maricopa voting locations were addressed on Election Day, as well a copy of each voting location's official ballot report, including any discrepancies and explanations. The machines were tested the day before the election, and no problems were detected, according to the letter. Lake, who led in some polls by double digits heading into the election, has expressed skepticism that it was conducted honestly, saying, quote, Arizonans know BS when they see it. Her team has been gathering and tweeting testimonials of voters who said they were turned away when they tried to vote, watched as their ballots were rendered defective or tabulated improperly. Rights let now, of course, none of this will be considered evidence. And you, you can hear the mainstream media writing the reports that Carrie Lake, who has proven herself to be an election denier, has once again, without providing evidence, made allegations that there's something funny with this election. And of course, though, she does give plenty of evidence. I think it's interesting that some of the evidence is from actual voters that are coming forth and saying, this is specifically what happened to me. And the reason that I find that interesting is because for the years that we were told that uh, because of Russian misinformation, Trump stole the election. It always was noteworthy that not once that I was aware of did the media find a single voter who was a Hillary Clinton supporter but voted for Donald Trump because of specific misinformation that came from Russia. I mean, that, that's what the, the entire premise, this is the justification that is used by the Biden administration to censor free speech, to collude with big tech. Because we were told that in an effort to get Trump elected president, 
Russia utilized those platforms to spread disinformation. But I, I never, I was like, well, where are these people? Who are these Hillary Clinton supporters that went in with a plan to vote for Hillary Clinton, but because of some specific misinformation they received from Russia via Facebook, they decided, no, no, I'm going to vote for Trump, and then afterwards realized their mistake. Did you notice you never saw a single instance of an individual coming forward with that? Yet, that claim was pushed by the media as if it weren't just evidence, but it was proof. Meanwhile... You have Lake that is providing evidence based off of voters themselves who are on the record, and this will be totally dismissed as without evidence, as not reliable. I'm sure if any of these individuals undergo any level of scrutiny whatsoever, they're going to look into their background. They're going to note that they're also election deniers. The media will sift through all of their Facebook postings to see if they've denied elections in the past. And so while Democrats are about to make the leader of their party in the House, a man who is one of the single largest election deniers in Congress, We're going to continue to see instances like what occurred in Maricopa County as no big deal and Republicans just refusing to accept reality with election-denying candidates. Springfield's Talk 104.1, I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 104.1. America Transmissions talk a text line 447-KSGF referencing the discussion with Secretary of State Ashcroft earlier, a text saying, should we assume that Quaid's opponent should not have been thrown off the ballot it, from the position of the Secretary of State's office? Yes, but not because of that lawsuit. That That's why it is that the Secretary of State's office has a lawsuit against Crystal Quaid. Uh, now, there is an entity called Missouri Election Commission, and, or uh, Ethics Commission, and there are certain requirements with filings in order to be on the ballot that they claim he didn't hit the deadline on, and so that was the reason. And that's something that the Secretary of State actually told us the day after the judge made that ruling declaring uh, what, whatever the declaration was, uh, and and then Secretary of State Ashcroft noted that that he's he, that is not why um, Flanoid was taken off the ballot or not put on the ballot officially. It was because he failed that MEC filing deadline, and and that was the reason, uh, not because of the lawsuit that was brought by Crystal Quaid, but what the Secretary of State's office now, that lawsuit is arguing that the way that she even went about that was not the way that somebody in that position, that should have been a lawsuit against the Secretary of State's office, not the candidate, because it is his office that... um, that said the signatures that Flanoid had were um, the the proper amount of signatures, and so he qualified based off of that. 
And that's where Crystal Quaid hired a high-powered attorney out of St. Louis to try and have him thrown off the ballot as an independent candidate claiming that those signatures were not valid signatures, that he did not have enough valid signatures, and this latest uh, lawsuit against Quaid by the Secretary of State is saying that the lawsuit should have been against this office, not against the candidate. And this is uh, an effort to get that record set straight so that sort of thing does not happen again in the future. And it should be that way. It was one of the things that we thought, or I, I mean, I'm not a legal expert in, in that area uh, at all, but it just seemed very odd to me that you would not be challenging the Secretary of State's office when it came to those signatures, given that that is the office that said there were enough signatures there. And apparently... Uh, it also, uh, according to the Secretary of State's office, was not the correct way to go about it. And also, it, it shouldn't be that way, because otherwise, look what you had. Look what you had play out, and it was unfortunate. Here you had a powerful politician, leader in the Democrat Party, with all the money at her disposal that she could want, because it, it was going to be a tremendous embarrassment for the Democrats if she were to lose that position. I mean, she's the top Democrat. You think about it. There, there are first time since I think Rico, I, I don't even know when the last time, if ever, Missouri had no Democrats in statewide office. None. The auditor was the last holdout, and that is a position that has been run won by a Republican. So in terms of the hierarchy, Crystal Quaid, she is she is the top of the heap of the Democrats. And here you have a community activist who doesn't have money, who doesn't have the big backers, who doesn't have access, you know, to these these attorneys out of St. Louis, who doesn't have the unlimited funds to try and make sure that she stays in office, and instead of going up against the Secretary of State's office, drags Larry Flanoid into court. An individual who's not a career politician, an individual that's a citizen trying to make a difference in the the area in which he resides, uh, an individual that was had you know no dollars at all, and you have the most powerful Democrat in in the state, arguably the most powerful in, in terms of hierarchy, anyhow, that that drags you to court. That's a horribly unfair thing to do, and I, I my belief is that. And I, I'm just speculating here that Crystal Quaid knew that wasn't the proper route to go, but it's a way to send a message to any future citizens that might try and challenge her that if you do, there's a potential it will cost you a lot of money. And, and sort of sending a message, this is my territory, this is my turf, back off, I will you know, just destroy anyone who, who tries to uh, you know, take me down. And that would not be the message received necessarily if it had gone the proper channels and uh, and instead challenged Secretary of State Ashcroft. So I, I, I don't think it was ignorance. I don't think that it was a mistake. I think it was very deliberate that she decided to instead uh, take a, a citizen to court and use the, the influence, power, and money that she has in order to uh, just really – send a message. And again, that's just speculation. Um, 
I'm not sure why, what other reason there would be. And given the nature of politics and people who are in positions of power that do not like to be questioned and challenged, it would seem to line up. And, and so that's, that's what my gut tells me. The American Transmissions Talk at Text Line 447KSG. I want to play for you audio coming up. There's been a lot of focus on transgenderism in the last couple of weeks while ignoring the detransitioners and their warning message. Another one in the next hour. I'm Nick Reed.